0: Hello and welcome to the Half-Backed Podcast,
1: the World Cup Special Edition. I'm your host, Tim Williams, joining here to talk about the upcoming Rugby League World Cup. He's one of the sharpest minds in Rugby League, former Raiders and Dragons playmaker, Sam Williams. Sam,
0: how are you, mate? Going well, boys. Very excited, the World Cup. It's a a whole new competition and something I'm looking forward to seeing. It's been too long between drinks for International Rugby League and we're going to see a lot of it in a short period of time.
1: There's a bloke who's played plenty of footy over in the UK. Keen to get your thoughts on the conditions over there, which we'll chat about a little bit later. Also today, Jimmy Hughes, the ex-TAB data analyst, regular on the Halfback Podcast, is out of action. Got married a couple of weeks ago. Congrats to Hughes. He's on his honeymoon uh, somewhere at the moment, travelling the world. So we'll leave him to that. Fortunately, stepping into his place, we have a very special guest an ex-Melbourne Storm and Tigers talent identification manager, responsible for the Harry Grant swap deal. Very infamous, that one. Now working as Gus Gould's right-hand man of the Doggies, Scotty Woodward. Scotty, how are you, mate?
2: Uh, Yes, mateys. Timmy, Sammy, how are you?
1: (laughs) Very well, mate. Scotty, mate, you're one of the... I said Sam's one of the sharpest minds in rugby league. You're one of the sharpest minds in rugby league as a combined data analyst and a footy brain, mate.
2: Thanks, mate. I'm really looking forward to the weekend. Uh, a couple of good games.
1: And Scotty, you're actually lucky enough to be shooting over for the back end of the tournament.
2: Yes, I'll, I'll be there um, the day after the Melbourne Cup. Absolutely counting the days.
1: Win an absolute mocha on the Tuesday and pay for your trip for for the Wednesday afterwards. So that'd be yeah, good stuff. The Uh, On today's show, we will be previewing the World Cup, obviously dropping our punting plays as well, our Locked Value and Hail Mary plays for the tournament. We get a few insights from Sam, uh, as I said, who spent plenty of time playing with the the Catalan Dragons in the Super League, the Wakefield Wildcats. I'm really keen to speak to him about the conditions over there, how they might impact the World Cup, what will be different to what we see here in Australia in the NRL. Quickly recapping the NRL season uh, for the Half-Backed podcast, Sam topped it on 238.5% ROI return on investment. Absolutely killed it. I finished up on 116% ROI. Uh, So a tidy little profit there as well, which will hopefully continue on through the World Cup. The top sports special for the NRL season, I think we started about around 17 or 18, 1,000% ROI. So hopefully we're able to steer you into a few winners this season uh, and get you in the green. Let's start with our World Cup preview, Sam. I'll shoot a few questions at you. And the first one is that one, Uh, As I said, you've spent a lot of time in the English conditions where the World Cup will be hosted. How do they differ to the Australian conditions and and what impact do you see this having on the tournament?
0: Yeah, I think it's probably the main thing that can um, unsettle the Australian side and, and We all know when the conditions go poorly or if it's wet or if it's um, windy, it it really brings sides together. You you often see um, one side who who need to change their game dramatically, whereas another side might be a lot more simple and they can just go forward. And the English conditions at this time of the year, it's going to get cold, it's going to be wet, it could snow, you could get anything over there, it's it's a... um, you know, it is a really volatile time of the year, so it's going to be very interesting to see which teams can handle it. I think um, that's the big thing for Australia is is trying to uh, trying to get used to these conditions. The big one is that they've got effectively three warm up games before any of the big games, so I think they'd be happy to see some some wet, windy, cold conditions and, and get used to that. Uh, I, 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 we might go into it a little bit further, but I, I still feel as though that uh, Nathan Cleary. I still think that they're going to play him in the big games. I'm not sure if that's the plan or what the update is with it, but for me, I thought it was a real opportunity to start trying to get some um, fluency within this spine of the Australian team. So The weather's going to have have an impact. There's also the, the size of the ground. Some grounds are smaller over there. There's um, some of them, the, the diameters, the width of them are smaller than what we're probably used to out here. And the in goals are smaller. So you do have to change your game a little bit. But all in all, I think most of these players have a fairly good idea about what's ahead. So if we're expecting classic uh, English
1: conditions, possibly a bit of rain, it, Like, does it lead to, to dew on the field as, as well, that sort of thing, the weather conditions, or not so much?
0: Yeah, look, the thing is, if you get a sprinkle of rain over there, um, it's hard for it to to, um, to clear up. Sometimes it'll stay wet for a while. Uh, that's the that's probably the main thing about it. Look, there's times there, I'm not saying that all grounds, some of the grounds also, this is another thing that's, that's a little bit different to Australia, is there'll be some games that'll be played on uh, English uh, Premier League grounds, and the surface and the, the length of the grass is, Tiny and it leads to a really fast style of game. Uh, kicking the ball, the ball will roll a lot further. It'll also skid with a bit of moisture. So these are the sort of things that some of these players are probably not always used to. Um, for example, if you're playing at Shark Park, it's it's specifically built there for rugby league. So uh, whereas if you're playing at you know, at, at a um, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where it's a completely different surface and drainage and everything that goes with it, there is there is some things that these players are going to need to get used to.
1: Mm. So thinking off the dome here, but like if we do get these wet conditions, that generally tends to A, favour blokes with good kicking games who can win the game off their boot, a.k.a. Nathan Cleary, but also probably teams with those big bustling forward packs where it becomes a a less expansive style of footy and can be played through the middle, uh, which obviously the team that that leads to is someone like Tonga.
0: Yeah, I think Tonga, both your... Tonga and Samoa, I think they're the sides that probably could benefit from it. The big thing about a side like Samoa is can the halves step up at this international level to be as dominant as they need to be? I think in the NRL, it's the more and more that the, people analyse the game or people watch, it's always talking about the halves, the spine, the fullback, the hooker. I think that's where their biggest, um, you know, the biggest issue probably to a point is is can they step up to against some of these really um, quality international halves that have been there and played it before, so I think that there's a lot a lot riding on some of these halves with lesser experience and teams who haven't played a lot of football together, and that's probably the big reason why someone like um, DCE is in that side, it's the, the combination he's already got with the spine in a short amount of time, it's, you don't have long to get it right, but once again, I feel Nathan Cleary deserves deserves to be playing halfback. I nearly said wearing the number seven jersey, but that's ridiculous because <laughs> DCE will be wearing two. Um, so it's um, yeah, don't get me started on that. But I, I certainly feel as though that these halves are going to need to step up because there's some of the the, the power and the um, and the size is there for some of these sides. But can they um, can they control the game to win a World Cup?
1: Mm. And we'll. We'll get to, it's an interesting point you make around, or interesting topic I should say, around teams, and particularly because there's been no international footy really for a couple of years now, aside from the odd game here or there, players thrown together into sides, and it talks about you're going to cohesion of teams, which Scotty's got some wonderful, wonderful statistics for us very shortly, but before we get to him and his statistics, uh, you mentioned... If we look at the markets, we've got Australia as firm favourites to win the competition. New Zealand at about 360, three seven is second favourites. Um, they look the obvious ones who also look set to meet in the semi-final. Outside of those two, Sam, do you see anyone else winning this tournament? You look at England, Samoa, Tonga, uh, or do you think it's just going to be too dominant, Australia or New Zealand?
0: Look, I've, I've pretty well put a line through Tonga. I, I don't think that they can win it. I think that they're... Um... I don't think they're as good a side or have the momentum that they had previously. Um, You know, I'm not... I can most certainly get this wrong, but I feel as though that the difference with with like a tolerance Samoa this year is I think Samoa, they have so much to play for and what some of these players who are in this side have given up to be able to play in the World Cup for Samoa. I think that's the big thing. And we know what what rugby league in terms of playing with heart, passion um, and a will to win... I think this Samoan um, side—you look at Papali um, and Junior Paulo—like these sort of blokes, that they're not going to get another opportunity in a World Cup like this, with, with the um, the type of mm. players that they are. I just think that they're going so hard; um, they've all given up a lot to play for them. And, and for me, I just think that they're the they're the side that can really rattle some cages. That that's that's not to say. <laughs> You know that that Tonga won't, but I just feel like they've got so much to play for. Um, I mentioned earlier, it's a big one, bit really, really big World Cup for Anthony Milford. I think he's the key. He could he could quite easily go through this tournament, and if they're successful, he could be the player of the tournament. If he can control that team, he could he could um, he could be the man of the tournament. But You know, it's it's really going to come down to him him um, stepping up to the plate and making sure he controls that team. There's a lot of
2: Sammy. Do you think do you think Milford will be six or 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 Jerome Luai will be six? He'll be. I'm thinking Luai may be the halfback.
0: Yeah. See, I I think that. They'll probably play a little bit more of a, a traditional left and right, where it's less of a dominant seven and, and more of a split six and seven. Luai will have, have his left boot on the on the left edge. Milford, obviously, on the right. Uh, I think um, Luai didn't kick the ball once in the in the in the grand final, um, so it's going to be he's going to definitely have to take more control. I think Milford's probably had a little bit more experience in terms of, not to say that it went really well, but there was times there at Brisbane where he needed to to be the dominant seven, and I'm not saying that it went really well, but I think he's probably got a little little bit more experience in terms of trying to control the team, Uh, but I I definitely think they'll play a bit more of a left and a right controlling half, uh, link up um, with the fullback sweeping.
1: Yeah, Scotty, sure. let's talk about your cohesion stats, mate, because they're, they're very relevant to the NRL. They're, they're one of the, the better stats that I think exist in the game that not many people have, to be honest. I think you have your own systems in, in place to put them together. And it basically refers to, to you know the amount of games that players in sides have played together. So um, give us a bit of an explanation on, on your cohesion system and then leading into, again, do, do you think anyone can beat Australia and New Zealand?
2: Yeah, look, well, f- firstly, you can go to the bank on Nathan Cleary will be the halfback for Australia. Um, I don't know what that does for DCE, but um, he's not in my 17. Uh, I have no doubt Cleary will be 17, so that's a given. Now, based on that, um, Australia, um, as Kangaroos, have, have only had 42 games together as opposed to New Zealand who have had 140. That's a massive difference. Um, both teams have got enormous amount of NRL experience, um, 2,500 and 2,400. So the, the NRL experience is is outstanding. Uh, the problem that the kangaroos have got is very much cohesion and because of politics, because a lot of things, Mel will be struggling a lot with combinations for Australia. Um, in an ideal world, he'd probably like to have Josh odo and and uh, Matt Burton alongside of each other. He would like to have Valentine Holmes and um, Tuolagi alongside of each other and, you know, the advantage that Cherry Evans has got is that he's in the same team as Jake who, um, uh who is going to be in the team, I feel. He wouldn't be in my team, but I feel I'll pick him. So they're the sort of the combinations that um, Mel will be looking for. Um, look, this, these games on the weekend, weather reports say there's going to be constant rain, so um, we're, going, we're definitely going to have a wet ground whether or not it'll be raining during the game is another thing. Um, the England-Samoa game will be played under 10 degrees, so that's not good for Samoa. Cool. They won't like the cold, that's for sure. But, um, like, I should should point out the guys that are not eligible. When I say eligible, they're injured. Um, Lomax, arguably the best player in England, is, 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 is out injured. Wormsley, their best forward, is out injured. Dodd. Their champion young halfback um, is injured. Percival, the gun centre, injured. Johnston, winger, injured. Truman, another gun half, injured. Newman, champion centre, out injured. And obviously Gareth Woodup is injured. So yeah, England have got a lot, a lot of very good players out. But I have to say they've come up with a pretty good side, um, and it's going to be in England, and it's a must-win for them. If they lose this game, they're going to have to, they're going to have to probably beat Tonga um, uh, to to keep on going. So there's a grave doubt that uh, they're not going to go very far if they lose this game. This this game is crucial for England. Um, And to be fair, it's actually crucial for um, rugby league in the UK. Mm. Um, We really need them um, to win. I'm not quite sure what he's going to do, uh, whether he's going to play Ryan Hall or, or, or Dominic Young. He's crazy if he doesn't play Dominic Young. But, look, I haven't, I'm not a big fan of either coach, either England coach or Samoa coach. Um, Sammy, I'd like to know your thoughts on George Williams, the halfback for England. Um, what I see with England and Samoa, and most of, the, most of the teams, with the exception of New Zealand and Australia, is there's not a lot of um, top-class organising halfbacks in the World Cup.
0: Yeah, I think you've raised some good points there. Um, on the back of some of them players, you mentioned with England being injured, uh, I think England, the biggest problem for England, I think that this World Cup needed to happen 12 months or or 24 months ago. I think they had a, I think they had the squad 12 to to 18 months ago that could really have threatened. I just think that they're, they're, they're a little bit short. I think Josh Hodgson would have been massive for him, playing nine. Uh, You mentioned some of their players that they've already got out injured. I think that, on the other hand, the advantage for England is they've been planning for this World Cup for a long time. They've had a, they've had plans in place. They've got together. They've had meetings. They've really had their sights set on this World Cup for a long, long time. Whereas a team like Samoa, they've, they've come together fairly late. Um, so in terms of planning and things like that, that's probably a big advantage for England. I mentioned Anthony Milford there, uh, previously, but, George Williams is the big one for England. He's he's got international experience. He's a he's a big um, strong defensive half. He's a good ball runner. I think he's got a good kicking game in those conditions. He's got a really good short kicking game, which which can come uh, bring some players unstuck over there in them conditions. And I think they've thrown a lot of faith in George. He's a um, you know he's an outstanding young bloke. So the players will, will all want to play with him and play around him. But it's going to be a really big one for him in terms. of in terms of his legacy.
1: Guys, one of the feel-good stories of the year was Nico Hines winning the 2022 Dally M medal as the best in the game. Well, if you needed a home loan, wouldn't you want the best broker in the game looking after you? We've wrapped Paddy and George from Mortgage Choice all year. They've delivered in spades. Just been nominated for the Advisor Magazine's Best Customer Service Award and Best Residential Broker Award for 2020, 2020, 2020, 2022. Congrats to those boys for that one. If you want to get some Dallium quality service for any of your finance needs, shoot the boys a message on Instagram at George Mortgage Choice or one word, or give them a buzz on 9521 1611. Your appointment is free of charge. All you need to do is mention SC Playbook. Sam, unfortunately, ahead of dropping the putting plays for the World Cup, we've lost Scotty Woodward. The joys of the joys of podcast production, nonetheless, uh, some good insights from the big fella. Anyway, we'll try and get his plays up online later in the week. Uh, before we get into our plays, we are exclusively using Top Sport Markets. Big big fans of their value, particularly their same game multi, which is comfortably the best in the industry where the odds actually stack up. If you're keen to follow us along and choose to link up with them, use the special code SC Playbook. If you are, of course, 18-plus only and gamble responsibly uh, if you do. Let's get stuck into our punts. And I will preface it, Sam, by saying uh, and actually speaking to, to Scotty about his plays. Because it is across the World Cup and teams only come out a, a day or two before it, you don't know how final lineups will go. You don't know if there will be rain coming down in England or if they'll get dry conditions. It, it's quite tough to do, like, in particular, game and sort of forecast without doing it sort of a day before the game when, when you have a bit more of an idea. So it does make it a little bit tougher. So we'll do ones that, that we like uh, across the duration of the tournament. Um, but Scotty will hopefully have a bit more to say about that later on in the, in the World Cup. We'll look to do another podcast, maybe midway through it all, or, or even before the semis and finals when we know what lineups are going to look like a bit more. Uh, we'll get stuck into it, Sam, and, and you've got an interesting take on your puns. Uh, what have you got for, for your plays?
0: Yeah, I've gone with two, two, uh, more around the value for this World Cup. Um, The first one being Joseph Sueli to be the Samoan top try scorer. You get 650 about him. And as I mentioned earlier, I feel uh, that both Anthony Milford um, and Jerome Luai will play split halves. Therefore, I think there'll be a place where Sueli is going to drift across both sides of the field as opposed to being stuck to one side. Um, and I also feel as though he, the talent that he's got, if he's playing against a lesser side, he could easily end up with a bag of tries. Um, I just think playing both sides is the big advantage for him there. So I reckon, I reckon playing around him at 650. My other play is... I think it'll end up being a bit of value, and I've worked around a few sort of rough odds in my heads. But if I think New Zealand can beat Australia, I think they've got a wonderful lineup. We spoke about cohesion earlier in the in the podcast, and I reckon that you're going to end up getting much better than the four dollars about the Kiwis if you just do an all up. So every game the Kiwis play, just start with whatever you want. Start with ten dollars and just have it on them to win every single game. I think at some point, I think you're going to end up with better value than the $4 that you can get around them at the moment. So, for me, I think that the Kiwi's all up. Just keep backing them. They've got to win some big games. They've got to win, a, uh, beat a couple of decent sides, and including Australia in the finals. So, for me, I think that you're going to get better value, and, and if you want to do that, uh, all the best. Mm, very good. Sam, on Suwale,
1: obviously the sample size for him is relatively limited at this stage of his career, playing just one season in the NRL. Uh Move to fullback. Obviously, he's played all his time in the NRL on the wing, uh, has, has voiced that he'd like to play fullback. Obviously, minimal opportunity at the, at the Roosters with Teddy and Joey Manu there. How do you see him transitioning to fullback?
0: Well, firstly, I think any player that says they're going to be a, a winger or a centre ahead of a fullback with the money on offer as fullback okay. is kidding themselves. So I think that that's probably a bit of a play around his management team. Speaking about being a fullback, uh, I think he'd just be happy at the Roosters, however that looks. Uh, but I, this is a little bit of the reason why I think there might be some value there. Early on, I think he, we all know he's an unbelievable ball runner. So I think you'll see him running the ball more so than trying to look to pass and play around. The English conditions are... Uh, can be very wet as well, uh, so it's hard for wingers over there to be able to try and try and take the corner post on because you are going to slide out uh, inside defence coming across. So I reckon there is probably some value around him taking some players on, scoring tries by bumping them off. Uh, but I think he'll be fine. Uh, it's it's another question mark as to why you know Samoa winning the World Cup. We, we spoke about the halves earlier. He's you know it's a massive, massive ask for someone like him to go to a World Cup, play fullback, play five or six games and to be able to lead a team to a World Cup final win. It's just such a massive challenge when you get to a final against someone like Australia. You're playing James Tedesco at fullback. So I think you'll do fine, but it's just a big task to try and win it. Mm. That leads
1: into, I'll go straight to my Hail Mary of the tournament because it's Joey Manu, top try score at $26, pretty well for all the same reasons you said uh, with Suweli there in that he's not traditionally... A ball playing fullback. He's obviously spent basically his entire career at centre. Even the sample sizes we see when he's played fullback for the Roosters, he just takes the line on. And as you said, if it is going to be pretty wet over there, which you know to England, let's face it, it will be. He's just going to take him on, and and I can see him against some lesser sides, just scoring a lot of tries. I'm hoping he plays the majority of games. He sat out the first uh, warm up game for them, so I, I do think Joey Martin is a sneaky one at twenty six to one. Now, Sam, my my lock, I suppose, of the weekend, as we were saying, it's a little bit hard to forecast too far in advance, but we do have some lineups for this weekend's games, and I think the a few lines, the Kiwis versus Lebanon, the line there is forty one and a half points at a dollar eighty seven. That into Australia, giving a thirty nine and a half start versus Fiji at three dollars seventy with a top up token. These two sides, you know, granted conditions will, will of course uh, play a factor, but. They should belt them off the park, and I think those two combined at three seventy is a pretty damn good bet. What do you reckon?
0: Yeah, I tend to agree. I think you're on the money there. I, I most certainly think that there's going to both sides are going to want to put a marker down. I know it's a building block for them. The other thing is someone like we uh, Daily Cherry Evans. If they get out to a lead, he's going to want to do absolutely everything he can mm. to secure the um, the halfback position. So he's not going to take his foot off the accelerator. He won't be getting taken off the field. They won't be doing too much resting there. So I think um, both players, yeah, I think you're on the money there.
1: Mm. Uh, the other one I also like. Uh, I wasn't as quite. Oh, I to be honest, I'm pretty confident with it, but uh, I kept it at three seventy for those two. But if you wanted to add a bit more value to that Tonga versus PNG, the line there is negative twenty six and a half. That bumps it up to almost seven dollars if you throw them three together. But the lock is NZ and Australia to cover the line. My value bet of the tournament. Uh, it's not enormous value, and you might say it's a little bit boring. But the top try score of the tournament, Josh Adokar, is at four dollars, which I know, Sam, you just said with the conditions, you know, there might be a bit more footy play through the middle and it might be a little bit harder for wingers to take on the corner post. But I'm just looking at the Kangaroos draw, which is really soft. And then I'm looking at their squad and, and the notable wingers in that side are obviously Josh Adokar, Val Holmes, who I think will probably be the wingers for the big games, and then Murray tau So Val can obviously play a lot of centre. You, you could throw in maybe Campbell Graham has a game or two on the wing there. But you also throw in the fact that Val and Luttrell could also shift to to fullback if James Tedesco's out, which uh, is a more aging sort of player. He he could be missing, you know, several games. Uh, So I think Adokar's going to play a lot of games with the Kangaroo's soft draw. So $4 on the left wing, playing outside Luttrell, who will be on the left as well. He could, like, I think $4 is is pretty good, to be honest. Yeah. that's pretty well it for for those plays at this stage. Now, Sam, just the last thing I wanted to throw at you before before we call it quits for the, the World Cup preview is not necessarily directly World Cup related, but I have a lot of people ask me and the question, and it's, it's a really hard one to answer, but Super League versus NRL. You've been there, you've played a stack of games of both. What do you see the key differences in the competitions? And I suppose, yeah, like... Uh, they're both noted for for being quite different competitions playing the same sport.
0: Uh, what's your take on,
1: on the differences between those two?
0: The biggest difference between the two two um, the two competitions is the depth. That's it's an easy it's an easy answer for me um, in terms of quality. The depth's the biggest thing. In England, they've there's, they've got the championship which runs below the Super League um, and. There's a lot more lot more uh precedence put on that than probably the the um New South Wales and Queensland Cup in Australia. So there's still you know, when we talk about sort of players who if you had in, in the NRL, we've got a squad of roughly 30. There's probably players within who are playing in the championship that would be in a in a top squad of thirty if there was just the one competition. So bearing that in mind, if you get some injuries to your, let's say your top 17 to 20 players. The depth is tested quite quickly. There's players that probably aren't ready to play Super League that are within a squad who they might be trying to build into the next few years that might be a young player or it might be a, an older player, but someone who's probably not ready to play in the Super League that gets opportunities, um, whereas in Australia, you've got a squad of 30, um, and if you're in that, top, uh, that squad of 30, you're a gun player. The other thing is, you've probably got a, a bit more of a gulf between the best and the worst, although the NRL over the last few years has probably increased a little bit. Um, those The best sides in England, St Helens, Wiggins, these sort of sides, they're, they're traditionally always up there. Um, the, the good players generally end up there. They've got a bigger salary cap, so they've probably got a little bit more depth, but And they also play a lot of footy. They play a lot, a lot of footy. They play, some weekends you'll play on a Friday and again on a Monday. I think that happened twice this year or last year. So players are going to get injured more. It's harder work to be able to keep sustaining that. And players need to be rested. So once again, you you get that depth tested. So that's probably the biggest thing about it. Um, The style of football, yeah, they probably use the ball a bit more. They probably try and play around a little bit more. But Um, You know, with technology and things like that these days, there's a lot that gets watched uh, from the NRL as well. So the biggest thing, and whenever I get asked this, the biggest thing is certainly the depth.
1: Yeah. On the Pommies, uh, you touched on them earlier And Georgie Williams. They're, I think, considered fifth favourite for the tournament behind Samoa and Tonga. Do you give them any chance, obviously, the benefit of home conditions? Scotty was, was pretty boyish about their... Their side, aside, aside from the fact that they would lost a few to injury, uh, or you're putting a line through them. You know, we saw them lose a World Cup final. Australia was at 6-0 not, not that long ago, so they're obviously competitive.
0: Yeah, I reckon they're two years too late. Mm-hmm. I really do. I reckon two years ago, I, um, I was playing with a lot of the, these English players at Canberra at the time. Um, I think Elliot Whitehead and Josh Hodgson, both in career best form. Um, Gareth Wittett was a couple of years younger. Uh, there's a a really big list of players that were probably available two years ago that aren't available now. Uh, I would have loved to have seen them play them two years ago. I think there was a real opportunity playing at home to be able to win it. Uh, It's just whether or not they're all these young players, um, there's still question marks. People, um, you know, Callum Watkins is another player playing in the centres. He's two years older. Um, Ryan Hall, like they're talking about playing Ryan Hall. He's two years older. I just think that they're... Just, I, I wish they I had have been able to compete two years ago because I think they really could have given them a run for the money. In terms of this World Cup, the big one is playing at home and there's a lot of planning that's gone into it. So let's just see how it plays out, but I wouldn't be putting my money with them. Beauty, mate. Absolutely cannot wait for this
1: World Cup to kick off uh, in a couple of days' time. Looking forward to it. Sam, thanks for jumping on for the Rugby League World Cup preview.
0: Yeah, good on you. I uh, hope everyone enjoys the World Cup. We'll, we'll touch base again shortly.